Chatters, welcome back to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. Like I said, we have a great episode up for you tonight. Benjamin Radford, author and skeptic, is with us. Um, he's got a lot of different books. About what has it been? Twenty books? <laughs> uh, yeah, ten books, and then about another dozen or so with uh, editing and co-authors and all that. So, yeah, uh, keep. Yeah, quite, quite a pedigree. So we're going to get into everything uh, about Ben here in just a couple minutes. Right now, we have to do a little bit of housekeeping first. I know all of you are excited for the 10,000 subscriber giveaway. So a ton of you went ahead and put in your names. And so we have to draw that, that out of the hat. And this is actually, turn it over. This is the new Haunted Road Media beanie, which is on sale now. <laughs> so let's go ahead and pick the name. I won't look. <laughs> Dig down in here so you can hear. All right, here's the big winner. Yeah, and just as a reminder, so because it's 10,000, we wanted to go big. So, choice of Haunted Road Media shirt, choice of Haunted Road Media book, choice of Haunted Road Media hat, and it could be the new beanie if you want. Um, then a ghosty, and of course, the coffee. That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. In the winner is katie palmer all Whoa, right katie congratulations congratulations that's awesome <laughs> she's right. gonna be so excited she will she will she is a long time viewer of edge of the rabbit hole and of course the hunter of media channel um, she is a very good client of mine for jewelry i have custom she? made quite a few pieces for her very yes. cool very cool but you know what we're not done we're not done. I thought of, this just popped in my head a little while ago. I was like, you know, this is such a big prize for somebody to get. I know so many people are going to be let down like, oh, man, that was a big one. I really wanted to score that one. We're going to give away another draw book. Again. We're going to draw on again. Give away okay. another book. So this is like second prize here. Your choice, Haunted Road Media book. Anyone that's on any of the, what, 20 that we have? Here we go. Mm -hmm. Here we go. So... Runner up. It's Tom McNicholas. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think he probably has all of the Hot Road Media books. He probably does. He probably does. Uh, that's awesome. That does not disqualify him. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> he threw his he name in the hat, and there off. it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we're going to hook him up with more coffee. He was saying that he's getting low. So. <laughs> that is awesome. One of oh, our biggest cool. supporters. <laughs> yep, yep. That is awesome. Oh, I'm, my cheeks are hurting. I'm grinning. Some They're <laughs> uh, sore. <laughs> so, pre uh, yeah, we appreciate all of you Mad Hatters. Of course, the Cheshire Cats that are down there on our chat. Shenanigator, Shauna, uh, who's managing the chat right now. Uh, we do appreciate all the support to help us get to 10,000. Let's get to your, up to 20 here uh, soon. That would be fantastic. Um, could not do it with wonderful. all of your support. Yeah. So, um, Ben. All right. <laughs> We have this fantastic guest here. He's waiting patiently while we do our thing. Um, ben, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I, I met you through the uh, Supernatural Symposium, uh, Justin Brown show, uh, Interface Death. And uh, we were having a very, very, I, I thought, uh, good conversation, even though, you know, I'm a paranormal investigator, you're a skeptic. We had a, a psychic medium on the show. So we're almost kind of redoing that here um, with Vanessa in the mix, of course. Um, but I, I thought you had a healthy way of, of approaching the paranormal with your skepticism. You have your, um, 
your book, and we're going to uh, highlight that as well, Investigating Ghosts, The Scientific Search for Spirits. Um, I believe that's your latest one, right? It is. Uh, I, I'm a fan of alliteration, so the uh, the S's was uh, was important for the for the sub for the subtitle on that one. Yes. Right, right. And there it is for uh, everybody. Go check that out. Go check that out. That's the uh, uh, Brown Lady of Raynham Hall right there on the front. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually been uh, really pleased with some of the feedback I've gotten from that book. Um, it's sort of a culmination of uh, ghost investigations I've done over the past 15, 18 years. Um, and uh, I've been pleasantly surprised, well, I'm surprised, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been pleased that uh, it's gotten pretty good response even from many um, what, what we might call believers. Uh, so I've had people come up and say, you know what, um, you know, I, I know you're generally skeptical, but you know, I, what you said makes a lot of sense. And even though, even though, you know, even though we may approach it from different angles, I understand what you're saying. And it, it's the same thing. The, 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 the real benefit that, that I was trying to convey was, was the ghosts are cool, right? We, I love ghosts. You love ghosts. <laughs> we, we all love ghosts. We wouldn't be talking right. about it, right? So, so, you know, it's not that I necessarily, uh, doubt the existence of ghosts. I, I, I wouldn't waste my time if I were sure that ghosts didn't exist. I'm just not willing to lower the bar so far that anything, any, any sound, any, uh, oh my God, what was that? And of course, that's healthy across the board. And it's the same thing when you're talking to Bigfoot believers or whatever else. Um, that I say, look, I'm not the enemy here. I'm trying to help you improve the quality of your research uh, so that if these things are out there, then Let's find them. Let's let's investigate. Let's actually try and establish, you know, empirically what's going on instead of having it be this this big, you know, swing pool of conjecture. Yeah, that's something that I really enjoyed about that conversation uh, there with you was that you, you do have that open mind, and I, I think that you know throughout this spectrum you have people on you know the polar opposite is where. It, you, you have the ultimate skeptic who absolutely nothing is ever going to be a ghost or supernatural. And then you have the other end where, you know, everything is a ghost or, or supernatural. And you, while you're more on the skeptic side, you still have that open mind, which I really appreciated. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I remember I, one of the first times I had an in-depth conversation with this was with uh, Patrick Burns, um, okay. you know, ghost hunter, and he used to be on True TV. And, yep. and uh, he and I were on a panel together at Dragon Con, Atlanta, probably... 12 years ago and uh and it was i had never met him I'd, I'd i'd heard of him and i i had written some pieces about his show haunting evidence um not really criticizing him specifically uh i had some i had some issues with some of his co-hosts but I, I on the whole i thought patrick was pretty good and and uh, after the after the panel he came up to me and he said you know i think I think we're probably closer on the spectrum than, than, than you know, the, to, to the audience, it was like skeptic versus believer duking it out. <laughs> right. And we're, we're like, actually, we both were like, we're actually pretty much more on the same team than people realized. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But see, I, I actually, now this, and you and I talked before the show, and you knew where I stood on certain things, but I love the fact that not only have you been doing this for so long, but you have kept such an open mind. I don't see a problem with bringing science into it and trying to find not validity, but corresponding evidence or, or, or ways to say that, okay, well, yes, this happened, but this could be a reason as to why. I don't see a problem with that at all. I actually think sure. that's wonderful. 
I might be a psychic medium. I, by the way, I hate that term. We all know I hate it, but we, I have to use it. Um, I might be that, but I can be a room in a room full of other people who are mediums or psychics or whatever. And I'm still going to question them. Mm -hmm. Just like I expect them to question me because you have to have, like I said on the show last night, checks and balances. You can't just go in and say, this is it. <laughs> I just expect <laughs> I said so. So it so it must be. It just doesn't work that way. It is like you said on both sides. You know sure. the 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 paranormal should support science, and the science should, should support the paranormal. Unfortunately, it doesn't. There can't seem to be that common ground found in the majority of people. Why do you think that is? Well, I think uh, you know a lot of a lot of ghost hunters um, claim and or believe that they're actually doing good science. Uh, a friend of mine, Sharon Hill, did a book uh, titled "Scientific Americans," and she sort of looked at some of the the uh, amateur research groups, primarily ghost hunters, but including others as well. And it was interesting because when you when you talk to them, and of course you all are actually more you know this better than I do. But um, but you know when you when you start talking to to ghost hunting groups, particularly amateur ones and regional ones, you have people say, "Oh yeah, well we use science and this and that." And then you say, "Okay, well I'm not saying you don't, but what does that mean to you? Like what what part of this is scientific?" They're like, "Well, I use this I use this EMF detector." I'm like, "That's not science." Okay, and it's a gadget. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me repeat the question. I, I understand you, you're, you're pushing the buttons and it, it beeps and it's cool. What what part of your procedure? Uh, you, just just you know, just because you use a calculator doesn't mean you're a mathematician, and just because you use a scientific instrument doesn't make you a scientist. So what I'm looking for is some sort of methodology, some sort of underlying uh, questioning assumptions and and gathering of evidence uh, in a systematic process to help weed out misinformation, misunderstandings, and Usually, not not always, but usually in my experience, and, and you know, I think you, Sharon found the same thing in her research. Usually, when you sort of pin them down and say, what, "What part of this are you claiming is science?" They're like, "Well, you know, it's it's kind of conjecture, and you know, well, you know, we really don't know for sure that EMFs are connected to 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 to, uh, to, to ghosts." And I'm like, okay, fine, but but the problem is that often it's portrayed as established fact. And when, exactly. I was when I was researching my, my book, uh, Investigating Ghosts, over and over and over, I would, I would read books by, you know, Hans Holzer and Ballinger and all these people. And it's like, well, we all know that there are four types of ghosts. And do they, I'm like, no, we do, don't. We do we, do we, do we, oh, you, no. we, it, it's thought that we, people have suggested that, but we, we, we don't know that for a fact. And yeah, it's all theory. Establish, no. Yeah. And, and that, and that's fine. The, the problem that I have is not so much in admitting that we don't know everything because science operates, you know, scientists don't know everything. That's, that's the process of science is understanding the world around us. The problem that I have is when people uh, will, 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 um, will exaggerate and sort of pretend that the information they have is much more definitive and well-established than it actually is. If you just want to tell me that you have a theory about a ghost and that's all well and good but when you come to me and you say i photographed a ghost here it is i'm like how do you know it's a ghost i'm not saying it's not a ghost i'm asking how you know for sure that it's a ghost 
I'll give you one quick example. I was I was uh, I did an investigation up at uh, at Fort George in uh, in Niagara on the Lake, Ontario, and I was with some uh, gold horseshoe group. I think it was. And I was investigating. I talk about it in in the last chapter of my book. I captured a, a female, a little a ghost child crying, a, fe- a girl ghost crying, and I said, I said, I will listen to your, I will listen to what you have, even whatever else. Just answer me one question: How do you know it's a ghost child crying? I'm not saying it's not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doubting you. I'm just. I'm just asking you sincerely. You're telling me you have positively identified this sound as a child ghost crying, and my question is, how could you? We don't know for sure what. I mean, I can tell you what a human ch- child sounds like crying. We don't know for certain what a ghost sounds like crying. We sure as hell don't know for certain what a child ghost sounds like crying. So, so again, I'm not I'm not saying it's not a recording of that. I'm just saying you can't you can't come to me and say I know this. Let me ask you well, something. I, we have a uh, we have a lot of questions coming from the chat, but before we get to some of those, um, I know that you like to examine a lot uh, the psychology of this, and you're mentioning a little bit. Uh, earlier about you know, these different you know types of ghosts that people try to say that we have. Do you think that's part of human nature playing into it that you know we like to categorize things that we experience and maybe you know after you know so many hundreds or thousands of times of repeating the same information over and over again, whether whether it's a theory or not, that we've kind of now taken that in as fact. Yeah, I think there's a couple there's a couple aspects to it. One is that oftentimes we're dealing with ghost folklore or ghost lore. Um, and we all know those of us who are semi, you know, those of us who have been doing this for, for more than a few years know what that is. But a lot of amateur, a lot of sort of amateur local groups, they really don't understand the degree to which ghost lore and ghost assumptions and, and information about, you know, from movies and pop culture and Amityville and Exorcist and Poltergeist, and they're, they're really unaware of how much these pop culture uh, stories and narratives influence their perceptions and their assumptions about what ghosts are. Uh, again, that doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that it's very difficult to filter out. You know, when you say, "I know what th- this is a ghost," this that's a ghost. A lot of people's ex- assumptions and expectations are drawn from pop culture, and so it's very difficult to weed that out. And so part of it is is that we're all saturated in this culture. Of, of ghost stories again poltergeist exorcist uh, ghost hunters tv ghost adventures zach i mean all, all the all this stuff it's all out there and it filters through uh so that's part of it and the other part is that that yeah we, we, we sort of we have these we have these inherited scripts of of you know what ghosts are and so we have the ideas of stone tape theory we have residual hauntings we have this and we have that and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean but it, it that doesn't just because you can categorize and label it doesn't mean it's it's actually it doesn't mean that, that that corresponds in the real, real discrete world. And so the, the way that I approach ghosts is as an experience. And so when someone comes to me and says, I saw a ghost, um, what that means to me as an investigator is they had some experience that they can't explain and they have the label of ghost. So, for example, if a person is walking through the woods and they see something weird in, in the distance and they think, oh, I can't explain it, it must be a Bigfoot. 
if you're walking and you see something weird in the sky that you can't identify, it's UFO. If you're if you're if if it's a haunted house or whatever else, it's a ghost. And so so once you understand that when a person says they saw a ghost, uh, whether they did or they didn't actually literally see a ghost, describing an experience. And so then the question is, what did they experience? The answer is they actually saw a ghost, and that's great. People constantly saying, they told me this, or somebody told me that. And the verbiage alone is what kills You know, what people use um, in this. Whenever I am explaining something to somebody or whenever I am trying to educate based on my experience not my expertise but my experience in the time in the year decades i've spent doing this i always started out with what i know to be true for me or this has been my experience I, and mike can verify this have said probably a thousand times i am not an expert there are no experts in this field um and because I know that all these different terms and labels and everything else that are regurgitated on the daily are basically made up words. It's, what is that, that urban dictionary? For fuck's sake, we could have one on paranormal. For the made up <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. You know? Yeah. And like when people ask me, what's the difference between a ghost and a spirit? Um, some believe that a spirit is one that has moved on and that a ghost is one that hasn't. I have stated I don't really see it. Which that's been my experience. Others have different experiences. Well, I would just add. See, this is this is one of the the sort of key issues that I came across in in writing my book was was I was trying again, sort of having been actually done done ghost investigations and been in lots of haunted places and this and that. Is is I, I I need to sort of take a step back and realize that not everybody's done this. Not everybody has done what you and and, and Mike and, and others have. And so I need to sort of give take a step back and say, okay, this is what people are thinking ghosts are. And in the process, uh, I was writing this in the book, and I, and it's like, you know, the fact is that there's at least a half a dozen different definitions of ghosts, right? Some people think it's it's a psychic projection. Some people think it's spirits of the dead. Some people think it's emotions that are, you know, in a place that's stone tape theory. Uh, some people think that's, you know, other, other angels or other dimensions. The problem here is that many of these definitions are mutually exclusive. They can't be both, right? So if a ghost truly is the, the, the spirits of a dead person that, that's reenacting uh, that person's death or trauma or something, then that, that literally cannot be simply, um, you know, emotions uh, that are recorded in stone or a battlefield, uh, nor can that be, uh, you know, interdimensional spirits. And the problem is that, that you have these experts, um, and some, I use experts somewhat, somewhat advisedly, uh, who, <laughs> who come up with all these different definitions and they don't seem to recognize that they, they that 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 their definitions are so broad that they they literally can't be they can't all be true like so the, so the problem is that if 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 the ghost phenomenon if the evidence for ghost is so ambiguous and so malleable that 
hey, it could be an interdimensional spirit. It could be, you know, someone's, uh, it could be someone's spirit of the dead. Who the hell knows? Then you have to question, well, what the hell? You, you've got all these ghost investigators, in, in some cases with literally centuries of, of person hours investigating ghosts, in 2019, why the hell can't you tell me which which one of these six definitions ghosts are? Ooh, 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 can I answer? Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. I got the mic. The reason I truly believe this in my soul, the reason that we have such a difficulty in actually not coming up with a definition, but in really explaining these experiences is because all we sh- all we are shown for the most part, or all people know to look for is the bad experiences, the scary experiences, the demonic blah, blah, blah experiences, things like that. That's all that seems to draw the attention. And when all of the attention is going to that arena, not enough attention is going to the arena of deceased loved ones who have messages, who wish to speak to people like myself or Shauna, Mike's, Mike's girlfriend, you know, or or the other psychics or mediums that are out there that actually are conveying messages, that actually have actual information that isn't scary. But that's not right. I mean, but demon but, cell. Yeah, I mean, demon cell. Well, yeah, we all we all, we all know that. Um, you know, and that's that's one of the interesting dynamics is that for in pop culture, ghosts are scary for the most part. Not, in, so not not all the time. Well, that, that's that's exactly right. It's like when you actually, again, it's another sort of contrast between what's seen in pop culture in horror films and the everyday, everyday experience of ghosts. And and all of us know that, that half the time you talk to someone who's like, yeah, oh, there's a ghost in the house. Her name is Anita. She's sweet. Every now and then she plays little tricks on me. And so there's people that have, have lived for, for decades in haunted houses and they have a, a fine time with it. Yeah. Um, the, let me just address quickly one of the things you said. You said that, well, that the problem is that not enough attention has been paid to the spirit mediums and the communication coming from, from the dead. Now, as, as you know, I mean, you know, you, know, you can go back to the, the spiritualists uh, and the Fox sisters in the 1800s. So there's been over a century in fact, whether it's Ouija boards, whether it's uh, Lilydale, Camp Chesterfield, uh, the Bridie Murphy case. So there actually have been many, many people who have tried to authenticate uh, you know, reincarnation stories, near-death experience stories. And so I don't know that it's really true that the people really haven't paid attention to psychic mediums and their messages. I don't mean pay attention to us specifically. I mean, because I don't care. But I mean, I, I don't think that enough attention is is paid to the deceased people everyone wants to find something scary everyone uh, that that's what i'm talking about not us as individuals but those who have passed on who are trying to relay messages i'm not special you could get a message no no no. i i i agree with you that there's more attention paid to the scary ghosts i don't know that that answers the question as to why we haven't yet been able to decide which of these six definitions of ghost is accurate because they've stuck it to two demon ghost. some people have orange <laughs> but um <laughs> not everybody has um unfortunately unfortunately a lot though and this it's like that squeaky wheel gets the grease type of situation and that's really that's done more damage than good 
I agree with you. In fact, that's one of the problems that I've encountered over and over again is, you know, in my ghost investigations, I often try to come up with a, a reasonable, rational explanation. And I try to assure people, if that's in fact the case, that they're probably, they're fa their house probably isn't haunted. And over and over again, I have had to personally clean up the mess from people like the ghost hunters and and Zach Baggins and, 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 and you know, and the, the ghost hunter guy and just these, and they, 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 People see these things on TV and they assume that anything weird going on is a demon or a ghost. And I ask, why do you think that? Well, I saw it on TV and it scares the hell out of people and it pisses me off because then I have to comfort people. I have to I have to do my best to to, to soothe people's fears that are unnecessarily hyped by these people on TV who, who just want to do their scary bullshit TV shows. And it pisses me off because very real damage can be done. And I'm glad you brought yeah. that up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dogs drive cars on TV. I'm not putting my chihuahua behind the wheel. For oh, why not? Why not? Um, hey, real quick, we have a uh, $5 super chat from Tom McNicholas, who was the runner-up winner for tonight. He says, happy birthday, Abraham Lincoln. There you go. And Lynn's White. And Lynn's White. And Darwin. And Darwin. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we have a couple questions from the chat. I do want to get into some of these. Um, so uh, Betty Lange asks, how do you define a skeptic? I mean, that's kind of where we started the show saying, okay, Ben's a skeptic. Uh, but how would you define that? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I've, um, I've actually had conversation with fellow skeptics, uh, again, w whatever that means, uh, as to how useful that is. And I, I've actually argued that the word skeptic uh, is not particularly useful. I don't, I don't disavow it. But it's not. It doesn't have much traction. If you ask the average skeptic, you have a on the street. You know, I'm a skeptic. What what the hell does that mean, right? I mean, I'm skeptical that you know that I I, I didn't get ripped off last time I took my car in to get fixed. That's not what that means. So basically, a skeptic is somebody who is uh, who is approaching these topics ideally from uh, from an open-minded position. Now, of course, there are closed-minded skeptics. There's closed-minded believers across the spectrum. But but. My approach is to try and understand the phenomena and, if, if possible, explain it and and do that from uh, from a, a science-based perspective. And so, you know, I'm looking at empirical evidence. I'm looking at eyewitness testimony. I'm I'm, I'm willing to do the, the investigation. That's actually one reason a lot of ghost hunters that I've encountered, they have problem tangling with me. Uh, not because I'm, I'm the biggest badass in the world, but the problem is that <laughs> is that, that whole thing of, well, you skeptics, you guys don't go out and actually investigate. It's like... Bullshit, well, you do. Dude. You do. Bullshit, I do. I've I've done it. I've written ten books on it. You don't believe me? Go 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 look it up. I've done TV stuff. So so that that whole got it right you there. Know, you skeptics, or, thank you. Yes, you know that whole you skeptics haven't done your research. That doesn't fly with me. And so I mean I, I I've I've been there. I've I've done mineral plantation. I've been to the uh, you know just uh, St James all over the place. I, and I and I've you know I've actually solved many cases uh, ranging from. Uh, the White Witch of Rose Hall in Montego Bay, Jamaica, the Chemo Theater Ghost in here in Albuquerque. Anyway, so, so that's that's the approach that I take is trying to not dismiss or debunk, but try to figure out what's going on. And well, if the answer is that there's not that the, if the answer is that there's a ghost, then great, that's cool. Let's 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 figure that out. Let's find out you know what is the ghost and what is, what is its nature and what does it do and, and things like that. On the other hand. If, if what people in a given situation aren't experiencing, if what people are in, in a specific haunted house or location is experiencing is not in fact a ghost, that's also interesting. That's also important because then the question is, why are people thinking there's a ghost? Is it because 
they misunderstood something. Is it because of psychology? Is it because of some bullshit TV ghost hunter show? Why are people why are people interpreting inherently ambiguous phenomena as ghostly? So to my mind, it's fascinating either way. And so my background is in psychology. As you mentioned, I have a degree in psychology right. and a master's degree in education, and also in folklore. Uh, I write about folklore and urban legends and these sorts of things, and then sort of brought in with investigation. So I, uh, I'm not saying that that's the only way to do it, but that that's my approach is sort of trying to bring these things together to understand it from a psychological point of view, from a cultural point of view, and from an investigative, investigative and scientific point of view. So let me ask you this: when when you are on an investigation. What does it take for you to, you know, as, a, as a skeptic, actually acknowledge, okay, this is actually something that may be what we kind of define as, you know, quote unquote evidence, you know, something like that. And what it would take to, for you to bring yourself to say, yeah, this location is haunted. Well, the, the, there's a couple things. I mean, you know, and, and that's a totally fair question is, okay, well, um, you know, what would you, what would you accept as evidence of ghost? And, and, and the, the converse of that is to ask a believer, what would you accept as evidence that ghosts don't exist? <laughs> and fair enough. That, fair enough. Well, see, I, it cuts both ways. Right. And yeah. so, uh, and, and to be fair, uh, you know, in science, you know, I, I in science, we're not talking about universals. And so I cannot prove and would not be able to prove that Bigfoot doesn't exist or ghosts don't exist or lake monsters or chupacabras, whatever else. So that's, that is a non-scientifically testable claim. What I can prove and what in many cases I have proved is that in a specific case, in a specific location, a specific sighting, a specific incident, whatever else, that that was in fact almost certainly not a ghost. Um, and I've done that through, you know, analyzing different things, EVPs. Uh, I mean, again, there's there's all sorts of chapters in the book. So so that that's the approach that I take. And so to answer your question, uh, I would need to be able to plausibly rule out all mundane explanations. Um, not not anything you can conceive of, but just the, the, the mundane explanations. And in my experience, the, the biggest fallacy that I find most ghost hunters uh, commit is giving up too quickly. In my experience, I mean, the reason that I've been pretty successful at solving cases is not because I'm the brightest guy in the room. It's because I spent more time on it. It's because uh, I'm I don't give up after the first you know first little while because you have to you have to research takes time. Science takes time. Uh, doing scientific research takes time. Conducting scientific experiments is very difficult. The the, the average person has no, they, they don't understand research methodology. They don't understand control groups. They don't understand, and that that's fine. You don't you don't need to be a PhD scientist. But but what I'm getting at is that actually coming up with good, compelling empirical evidence on anything is is very difficult to do. And this is one of the problems I see with a lot of ghost hunters uh, when they go in and they 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 you know they, they take measurements you know. Um, you know, EMS or whatever else in a location is they're not building up a big enough baseline to know what's what's paranormal. Right? Well, you need so, to know to what's me, normal. Something, yeah, to, to me, something like that is just it's just a piece of data. And you you mentioned control groups, and this is something I have to ask because this is something a statement that I make a lot is um, it, it's extremely difficult to prove paranormal activity because I don't believe you can really have a control group because. You know, how do you have like a sort of placebo effect with this when if there really is, 
you know, paranormal supernatural activity, how would you make sure that that group experiences nothing? Right. That's another, another, another excellent question. And, and the, there's a couple, there's a couple answers to that. Uh, one is that it depends on what your hypothesis is. Right. And so for example, if you take the, the, the theory about, by Michael Persinger, about the guy that did the God helmet and the idea that ghosts are a manifestation of basically a, a hallucination caused by EMFs. And he did this, he's a, I, I think he died, uh, I think last year, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but he did research in Ontario and he, he had this helmet you put on and it would, uh, it would bombard your, your, your head with hopefully nothing too toxic, uh, electromagnetic waves. Uh, and some people did claim that they experienced, uh, certain things. And so uh, you can look, for example, at, re at research done by um, Richard Wiseman and, and Chris French, where, you know, again, it depends on what your hypothesis is. So if you're, if the claim is that EMFs can induce ghost hallucinations experiences, and, and they get, they actually did this. And you can, uh, and if you look in Chris French, Chris French's book, Anomalous Psychology, he talks about this. And so they set up a room where there were EMFs that were either turned on or turned off. And here's your control group. You had people who were who either were was said, you know, they're, they're, you may experience something in this room or you may not. And in the end, the answer was that the the presence of EMS did not correlate with ghost experiences. So in that particular case, uh, you can have a, you can have a control group now. Outside now, that's a bit of a you know, there's one of the one of the problems, of course, is that that's that's within the laboratory, right? That's right. that's in controlled conditions. How do you so do in somebody's do, house? Right. And so, so, th th so this is the problem, right? And so, um, so one thing you can do, uh, and I, I mentioned this in the book, is that you can, uh, you can, you should be able to um, see if psychic mediums come up with identical identifications of ghosts in a given location. So, for example, if 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 you have three or four psychic mediums who all claim to be able to speak to ghosts and speak to the dead and get information from them, then you should be able to take them blindly into a new location and just, and, and no prompting, no context, just say, okay, here's location. Let, you know, don't, don't say, you know, there's the, this is the site of a murder in 1973. Just take them into location and say, walk around this location, take as long as time as you want. Let us know if you, if you have any experiences with ghosts. And if so, just, a, you know, what, is it a young person, old person, young girl, just some idea. And then you bring somebody else in, you bring you this three or four times and either, either the stories, I mean, the fact is that in theory, the story should match, right? If you have a ghost that is there giving information to psychic mediums and ghost hunters, then there's no reason why one psychic medium should go in there and say, there's no ghost here. I don't know what I'm doing here. The second one says, Oh my God, there's an eight year old girl. Her name was Julia. She died in 1937 tuberculosis. Uh, she had this horrible childhood. And then the, the, then the third psychic meeting goes in there and says, Oh yeah. Um, no, this was, there was a horrible fire here in 1850, 50 people died. You're like, well, hold on. Which one of these is true? So the, in theory, there are ways that you can, you can set up a control group. I got, I got to go. Okay. Go, for okay, it. go ahead. So, <laughs> because Ben, this is exactly what I do. I'm, I'm the gal taken into the locations who doesn't know anything about them. That's me. Um, first and foremost, I mean, it's true. If, if you are a psychic medium, yes, you should get some information. You should. Granted, I just covered this on the show last night. Not every ghost wants to talk to me. 
personally. I'm not the gal that they're all looking to speak to. Joe Blow coming in after me might have an energy that they vibe with better and they could give information to him. Who knows? But if even one person, if even one person you take into a place blind who doesn't know anything about it beforehand and they give you any information that is correct and specific, does that not prove its validity? What do you mean by correct and specific? That, that a, a, a girl didn't there at some point? When I give information, I give very specific information. I'm going to give you an example. Um, I've told this story before. Is years ago, probably a good 10 years ago, maybe not quite that long. But I'd come home from work early, and I was sitting there playing around. If this tells you how long ago, it was my space. I was playing around <laughs> on my space. So it's been a cool minute, okay? Um, I lived back in the townhome. Remember, Mike, back in Oklahoma City, the ghetto. And um, I was playing around on my space, and I doubled over. Doubled over in pain. No reason to. And, but I'm talking to um, you know who, Mike, from the old group. Uh, I'm talking okay. to her on MySpace, or no, on a, uh, on a, no, it was on Facebook. But I went on MySpace later. I'm talking to her on Facebook, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" And I'm getting all these images, and I'm and I'm messaging her, and I'm like, "Do you know who this person is? Does this sound at all familiar?" I had height, weight, boob size, hair color, eye color, nickname, full name, what she liked to do when she was younger what her father looked like, what his name was, everything, down to what she was wearing and what her favorite color was. This person did not know. There was nobody in her office that matched that description. So I shut it down, went and laid down, waited for the pain to pass, just waited. About five or six or seven hours later, I'm like, fuck me, I'm dying, you know? And I get up and I'm trying to make myself not think about it, so I get on MySpace then. It was Facebook earlier, then it's MySpace. I'm clicking through MySpace and a person pops up. The only connection I ever had to this person was I got a kitten from them at a pagan picnic. Only, only interaction ever. Never messaged, never did nothing. And she had put up a message saying, my mother-in-law is sick, please pray. That's all she put up. I messaged her immediately and said, please don't think I'm crazy and don't call the cops, but is this your mother-in-law? And I gave her all of the information. And it was her mother-in-law. The entire description was 100% accurate, down to her name, her nickname, her father's name, the fact that he used to take her horseback riding, what her favorite color was, how big her boobs were, how little she was, everything. And apparently at the same time I had had that horrific stomach pain, her mother-in-law had been rushed to the emergency room with a ruptured stomach. And how long have you been doing this? Since I was two, <laughs> and I'm 46. Okay. So uh, so let's just round that to 40 years. Uh -huh. um, so you've given us a plausible, interesting anecdote. Uh, what about the other 39 years worth of readings. Do you keep Mike, track? You want to jump in on that? <laughs> no, no, no. I, no I, I'm, I'm being, I'm being sincere, right? So this yeah. is, this is um, one of the problems with anecdotes. I have is a 95% accuracy. So you, so you keep track of all your mistakes. 
Joe, I admit my mistakes. No, 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 no. I, I, my, my question was, do you keep track and list all your mistakes? Um, if, if, when they happen, for the most part, yeah. No, but, 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 but from, from an, from an evidential point of view, in order to, you know, it, it's, it's, again, it, it goes back to psychology. It's, it's what we call confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. And we remember the hits, hits and we forget the misses. So we, we can all remember the time when, when we looked at a, a digital clock and it said 1234 or 1111. We don't remember the times we looked at a digital clock and it said, you know, 320 because it's not, not that big a deal. And so in our everyday experiences, we remember the times when we were right. And there's just, it's very vivid in our minds. But in order to actually establish a, a valid criterion to know how often you're right, you know, you say you're right 90% of whatever time, that I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't disagree with that. But mm -hmm. in order to actually know that, you, you by definition have to know how many times you were wrong. Um, and well, if you're not keeping meticulous track of that, then you can't know. Yeah, well, I mean, no, I don't keep meticulous track of right or wrong. Um, most of my evidence on that is caught on video over the last 10 years. That I, I'm, I don't do it myself. People take me to other places. So it's, it's all there. It's all on video. Right, but uh, again, all I'm saying is that, is that you know if 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 I claim a ninety percent success rate on anything or sixty percent, whatever it is, whether it's you know a score on a test, whatever else, that means that by definition I have kept track of my correct answers and my incorrect answers, my correct guesses, and my incorrect guesses, and you see this with psychic detectives all the time, where there'll be a, a missing person, a Holly Bobo case, or Natalie Holloway, or mm -hmm. J.C. Dugard. And you'll have these psychics that will come out of the woodwork and they'll say, oh, yeah, she's, you know, she, she's, uh, she's near water. Uh, there's a house in the field. I'm getting a number seven and six and I think a zero. And they put this stuff out there. And, and, and when the person is eventually found, uh, usually not by psychics, usually it's just some random stranger or they, they manage to escape. They go back and say, well, look, I was right. Like the person was held near a field. There was a seven in the address and it was near water. Well, near water could be a lake, a stream, a stream, whatever else, and they and they don't tell you. Well, you also said that there was something red. You said there was a person by the name of Jim. You, you know, you listed fifteen different things, and you picked mm -hmm. the two that were right. And if you do that, then of course it's going to inflate your success rate. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that. Yeah, Vanessa, <laughs> Vanessa will be the first person to admit when she's wrong, which is one of the reasons why I've respected her uh, very highly for what, almost ten years now. Um, yeah, well, you know, and 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 well, I no, and I, I get I where you're coming from, Ben. Where if you're gonna say a number, you better have some data to back up those numbers. So I totally get that. Well, it's not just a data; you have to keep track of 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 the rights and the wrongs, the hits and the misses. The set, but but, but let would, me ask one other question yeah, about that. Was which was you, you talked about uh, being in uh, Vanessa? You talked about you going into um, uh, into a location blind, basically giving your impressions. Mm -hmm. So. So, so that's all well and good, but what Mike was talking about was a control group. So my question is, in this case, what we were talking about was where there's multiple psychics going into the same location. So in the cases that you're talking about, were there other psychics that were also brought in and did their information corroborate yours? No, but mine was accurate and it was able to be verified. Well, now some, Gwen, Gwen's really good. Gwen's really good. Um, and I only consider mine right if it can be verified. I don't need validation for myself personally, but if I'm going to do this to help somebody, then my information needs to be verified. 
So like when I do a tarot reading, I don't, the people aren't allowed to speak when I'm doing it because I want to read the cards. I don't want to read their responses. And every single person I've ever done a reading for will tell you that. I don't want them to give me any information ever. I do right. it first and then they tell me if I'm right. And that's just the way it normally is. Well, here would be here would be my problem uh, as an investigator is if I were going to use psychics, the problem that I would have would be justifying it because I'd say, okay, let's say let's say that let's say that there were four psychics that came in, and let's just take you at your word that your information was right. Mm -hmm. That's 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 a twenty five percent accuracy rate, and any any given time that that means that that three quarters of the information was wrong. So. No. No, it does not. Um, what it means is three quarters of the psychics didn't get the same information. But if one psychic got information that could be verified that they couldn't have known, that proves that something was communicating with them. But 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 if 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 the one psychic if if the twenty five percent of the information given was from one psychic, then that means that three quarters of it was not verifiable information, right? That is assuming that all four psychics had the same capabilities. And I'm not. not. And I'm not assuming that at all. Yeah. No, in fact, that, that that actually that actually that actually sort of makes my point is that is that you know if if I was going to if someone says to me should I bring psychics into a given location my answer would be do whatever you want I wouldn't and and part of this is because exactly as you said there's no way to you know there's no way to know if you bring in four psychics in and three quarters of them are giving information that is irrelevant or can't be verified then you then suddenly you're on a wild goose chase because you're not being given information that's validated you're you're tracking down somebody named bill who died there in 1937 you're talking you're tracking down any number of different leads many of which as you said can't be validated and that's not a good scientific uh process well i think that goes back to you know me saying that this is a reason why it's so difficult to put together a control group because yeah i yeah. mean you're, you're talking about psychic mediums you know they each kind of have their different specialties and and i mean vanessa's a fantastic remote viewer and i could tell you points in time where she's out in oklahoma i'm in ohio she has she doesn't even know that i'm in ohio because i was living in maryland at the time and i just call her on the phone on the spot because we were supposed to be doing a radio show at the time. She had no idea I was on the road. I'm like, Vanessa, I'll put you on the spot. Tell me where I'm at. <laughs> and she described the entire layout of that house that I was at. Damn. And it was like, whoa, okay. So that, and that's a special ability that Vanessa has, but she mentioned a, a woman earlier that was part of an old group. And we actually put them to the test, unbeknownst to either one of them, where this other, this other one was telling us that she could remote view for us because um, she had been a psychic medium for the group and doing some different things on the side. And this was like the first time that she was saying, oh, I can remote view too. Okay. Um, but, you know, we had known of Vanessa having remote viewing ability. So we pit them against each other without either of them knowing. Um, you know, one of us has Vanessa on um, you know, text messaging on one phone and I'm text messaging with the other on the other phone and just kind of comparing. The other one's all over the place with, with and you could tell she was just guessing and Vanessa's boom, boom, boom. Um, so it's like people tend to each have their own spe specialities. So I, I think that makes it very difficult. 
like I said earlier, in trying to actually uh, prove this and um, trying to get into work into some of the uh, questions here, because um, we are getting kind of down to the wire and we have a lot of questions from the uh, from the chat. This is from Spooky. Sure. Um, do you believe down the road that science will back the proof of paranormal activity and publish textbooks on the subject? So do you think that there could ever possibly be a way that we could really, truly, you know, do this in a, in a scientific way? Without having all, I mean, we're having a de great debate back and forth. People in the in the right. chat are saying it's fun, <laughs> you know. But do you think yeah. that we'll be able to have it without all of this back and forth on it? I I I, w I hope so. Um, my my personal belief and my the reason that I'm I'm the reason I've spent time years on this is because I'm convinced that the only way that's going to happen is if we improve the quality of ghost research. Uh, we, we, I mean, look, the, the people have been looking for ghosts in some form or another for, for well over a century. You can back to the, the, the Society for Psychical Research in the 1800s. I mean, before that, uh, you know, there's people have been actively looking for ghosts for a long time and especially actively in the last, you know, say 50 years and before that with, with uh, Harry Price and others. But the fact is that all these ghost investigations, all these TV shows, all these amateur groups across the country and the world so far there's there's not a, a building of evidence there's not there's not a base of evidence that the scientists can actually build upon and so either that's because a lot of the 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 claimed ghosts are in fact mistakes or misunderstandings not in fact ghosts or it's because the the you know that whatever methods they're using aren't working it's it's not working guys <laughs> like, yeah, hey, that, that's why you know ghost hunters spent you know 11 years on the air of not finding ghosts it's not, you know, if, if what you're doing isn't working, if what you're doing isn't yielding good scientific evidence for ghosts, then either ghosts don't exist or you're doing it wrong. Well, yeah, probably doing it wrong. And this kind of leads to uh, Karen Whitaker's questions. Um, ben, are there any ghost equipment that you rely on? So, I mean, is there any of this equipment, any of these gadgets? Please tell me what you feel about the ghost box. <laughs> so, <laughs> Are there any of these things um, that actually can you know help you tell that there's some sort of activity going on? Well, not really. Uh, I mean, is the short answer. I know people aren't going to like to hear that. I did spend a chapter on my book about that specifically. The problem is that, as we said before, and, and you said it yourself, I mean, just because you use scientific devices doesn't make you a scientist. Uh, and just so so it, the the. the the value in these is not in the devices. You know, you I can go to Best Buy or Radio Shack or wherever the hell it is, Tom's Tom's GhostGadgets.com, and drop a couple thousand dollars on infrared cameras and this and that and the other. Unless you understand what that what those things are measuring and what relation, if any, there is to ghosts, then you're just you're just you know spinning your wheels. And so, you know, really the, the most important piece of ghost investigation equipment is 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 knowledge. It's it's critical thinking. It's approaching things from a scientific basis, and that's and that's really what's most needed. It, I, you know, so I can't recommend a particular gadget. Um, you know, I, I've I've you know I've looked into ghost boxes and Frank's boxes and uh, Kenny Biddle. Uh, who's done lots of great work. Uh, Biddle has done uh, good investigations to ghost boxes. Uh, I remember uh, uh, talking with um, uh, Christopher Moon. Uh, I think it's Chris Moon. The guy that looks like uh, Greg Allman. Anyway, uh, and uh, with his ghost box. And, and you know, he's he's doing the broken radio to the dead thing. And, again, it's all it's all just, I'm like, really? And, and 
I don't know. It just. Well, yeah, we, we did yeah. a thing a, a couple months ago on here about why we hate the ghost box. And it's not just because of the annoying noise, but I, I can't see <laughs> there, where there are many there, the there's a lot. I, I just don't see where a, a, a ghost, a, a human spirit, what have you, um, speaks in a radio signal for that box to be able to pick it up. I, that was always my thing with it. I, I could not agree more. I don't use equipment. And Vanessa doesn't use I don't anything. Even, you so. use your brain. That's your equipment. Yeah. I don't even own any. But I do have so, um, a dear friend who makes his own equipment, and he is very much not a scientist, but he's like what you guys were saying. Um, you know, he, he, he was at a symposium, a live one, a bunch of different people, and he asked a particular team in Ireland, you know, what their baseline was and they couldn't answer. And that and that was one thing that really drove him crazy. And he and I worked on a case three years ago that has now brought forth the attention of the police and the government because the bodies were actually found where we said they were gonna be found. And it's like 800 children. So, I mean, it's kind of a big deal and that's the kind of equipment he uses and he built it himself from shit he bought at the store. You know, he doesn't go out and spend hundreds of dollars on stuff like that, but he at least approaches it in a way like you do, Ben, which is somewhat skeptical until it's proven otherwise, but with an open mind. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind that, you know, it, it's basically, you know, uh, you know, Ouija boards. I mean, there's there's nothing new about about, you know, casting runes and, and tarot. I mean, there it's all it's all divination. It's all messages. And and. As with anything, the messages may or may not be coming, you know, uh, from from the dead. I mean, just because just because you feel like you're getting messages, maybe you are, maybe you're not. But you know, you need to be careful about taking, you know, putting too much stock in them in, unless you can actually prove they're real. Yeah, uh, ben, a question from uh, Shauna here. So, what equipment do you actually use on investigations? Um, I have a I have a box behind me. I would go and get it, but uh, I I use um it it depends on, on the investigation. Uh, I investigate a variety of things, including miracles. So, for example, if there's a weeping statue, then I would try and figure out you know what what is the what is what's going on. Is it actually a weeping statue? Is it some non drying all whatever else? So it really depends on what the specific claim is. And so I I I'm not trying to be evasive. I just I, there there's not like one particular set of gadgets that I use. So um, so it depends, uh, for example, uh, if, if I'm suspecting that something is being hoaxed, then uh, I don't want to give any secrets away, but I might bring a little bit of flour uh, and I will drop a little, little Scooby-Doo technique, drop a little bit of flour so I can see footprints uh, and or set up a camera, there's different ways to do it. So again, it really depends on what, what the claim is. So oftentimes, keep in mind that the, the approach that I take is, is in contrast to a lot of ghost hunters, uh, which is... They, they engage in what I call anomaly hunting. They're, they're going into location, looking for anything weird, and then trying to debunk that or, or, or trying to investigate it. My approach is to go with the original claim. So if somebody says that there's a ghost that appears you know, on, on Halloween night in some hallway, then I want to be there. If, if so, it, it depends on what the claim is. So I, I'm trying, so the, 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 the 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 equipment that I use depends entirely on what what I'm investigating what the claim is. When you talk about weeping statues, have you been called in by the Vatican to do that, or is that something that is separate? Uh, no, I haven't been called in the Vatican. I've done investigations into a couple places, including at Holy Love Ministries up in Ohio. Uh, I was a, I was consulted for a 
a show called Miracle Detectives, which was on the, the now defunct Oprah Network. Um, uh, there was actually another case uh, here in Hobbs, New Mexico, um, okay. which is a couple hours south of here. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it just depends on, on, on what's the case. There was another case uh, in, in, in Pennsylvania, um, a guy that claimed there was a statue uh, the, in his trailer that was, that was weeping. Um, unfortunately, he wouldn't let me take samples of of what the statue was weeping. So uh, it was like, investigate this, but don't get too close. That's a red flag right there. <laughs> you, yeah. you can investigate all you want from five feet away. Like, all right. Well, I mean, it, it, let's face it. I mean, depending on what the statue is made out of, is it porous? Does it have a sheen on right. it? Is it sealed? There are so right. many different environmental factors that could actually cause something like that to to happen and what people don't understand when you're talking about a weeping statue is you have the creases and the and everything in the eye which if it is a porous material it's made out of condensation can build up in those creases and then drip over and appear as if it's tears yeah so, I mean, yeah and and in a lot of cases you know in my experience with with miracle investigations and and i did a book on the chupacabra and things like that in most cases people are sincere and I, that's the same thing with with ghost hunters um uh i would say 90 percent of the ghost hunters and psychic mediums uh are sincere they're 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 wonderful people i really do like them we, we get along really well they're they're not liars they're not crazy they're not hoaxers um they they they're very sincere in what they're in what they what's going on. We just have sort of different standards of evidence. Fair enough. <laughs> Where'd Mike go? I'll let you guys talk. I'll take care of something in chat real quick. So I flipped it over to just you guys for for a minute. So um. <laughs> I got lost in the ride. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's great. Uh, ben, we're, we're winding down to the end of the show. So uh, where can everybody find you and your work? Um, you can find me at benjaminradford.com, which is, uh, there you go. There's my name right there. That's my most recent book. It actually won a, a book award, I'm pleased to say, the Mexico Arizona Book Awards. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at, um, at BT Radford. Um, yeah, I'm around. Um, I am also on a podcast called Squaring the Strange, which comes out every couple weeks with uh, two co-hosts. We sort of examine unusual claims from around the uh, around the world from a skeptical bent. So, Squaring the Strange. Squaring the Strange. Somebody cool. was asking about the kid and the bread. Have you investigated Elvis yet? Oh, that was that was <laughs> me. Well, they mentioned the. Um, the woman who saw Jesus on her toast, and there's there's a book in that the sta- yeah that that's here in New Mexico. Yeah. We, we got a lot of weird shit here, man. You get come out sometime. We'll hang out. Well, Shauna put me onto this book that she's read a thousand times. It's called Lamb, and so it's about it, it's a fictional tale about the childhood of Christ, and um you know his his told from the perspective of his best friend Biff, and so as they're as there were kids, um the centurions would see Jesus and be like, hey, that's the kid that's on the bread. <laughs> that sounds plausible to me i i believe that yeah I mean, it's, if, it's if a funny book it's talking, a funny book we're talking virgin births and walking on water and changing bread to wine that's totally believable yeah absolutely all right so there you go so um let's go ahead and we'll get to the uh, shout outs and wrap everything up here so again congratulations to katie palmer for being the uh the big winner for the ten thousand subscriber giveaway and then tom mcnicholas was the surprise one uh runner-up 
Super Chat Superstars for tonight. Uh, that was Tom McNicholas wishing a happy birthday to Abraham Lincoln. Um, I want to thank uh, Shauna for being our chat shenanigator tonight. Also, Donna Gordon, uh, our Cheshire cat in the house tonight. Get to the uh, shout outs real quick here. So um, those of you down there in the chat, I want to thank uh, Bree Jones. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Beat through airspace. One of our deep down the rabbit hole, Patreon patrons, uh, which include Tom McNicholas, uh, Beat three airspace, Zippy Davis, BD Flint, uh, Pamela Queen, Joe Chandler, Andrew Cox, and Dustin Samario's new deep down the rabbit hole, Patreon patron. So thank you guys for that. Uh, I want to thank uh, Betty Lange. Thank you for the questions uh, tonight. Uh, Candy Orton. Thanks for hanging out with us again. Uh, Charms Paranormal, thanks for joining us again tonight. Debbie08, thank you as well. Discord Threads, check out her uh, her stuff. She has very, very cool stuff. Um, you Check out her Instagram stuff. Uh, it's got a lot of different uh, cool wares and things. Uh, our Fairy Queen, uh, Diane Hilbert, thanks for joining us again tonight. Uh, there's Joe Chandler, thank you very much. Judy Wilson, thank you as well. Karen Whitaker, Thanks for joining us tonight. There's Katie Palmer, our winner. Uh, Kenny Biddle's in the house, speaking of the devil. <laughs> hey, Kenny, good to see you down there. So, uh, Kenny, Kenny got a, a, where do I have, a ghosty at uh, the Phenomenology Family Reunion a couple years ago. He was throwing him around the uh, the hall there. It was funny. <laughs> That's Kenny. That's Kenny, yeah. Kenny's a, Kenny's a funny guy. Very cool. Um, Liz White, thanks for joining us tonight. Pat Kraft, thank you as well. Robert Hanna, thanks for joining us again. Uh, there's Sharon Lane, good to see you. Spooky Dawn, good to see you as well. Tammy Heisman, thanks for joining us again. The Haglin, thank you as well. There's the Sisters Wood. They have some cool wares as well, so check out their stuff. They do like custom Ouija boards and stuff. Um, Tom McNicholas and Tim Schoen, thank you as well. All right, everybody. Uh, had a great show tonight. Really appreciate all you being here. Ben uh, had a great time, a lot of great back and forth. Uh, it's been a pleasure yeah, meeting you and having to you on. Yeah, I love talking to you guys. This yeah. was fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely have to do it again. This was this was really great. So uh, definitely awesome. check out Ben's books. Um, fantastic author, and I'm going to be checking out some myself. So, all right, everybody, we have uh, Inside the Upside Down coming up next. Gives us a few minutes to uh, change out the show. We're going to be talking about crystals, stones, uh, all of that uh, interesting material. And uh, so, Ben, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Bye, Vanessa. Bye, Mike. Bye. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Ciao.